Last week, we started this brand new series called Rumors. And uh, we all know rumors. Uh, Chances are, if we took a couple of minutes just to share some of the rumors that we've experienced, man, we'd probably have some doozies to share. Um, And last week, I shared a couple of the most popular celebrity rumors that I've heard. And today, just for fun, I wanted to share a couple of other crazy rumors just to see if you've heard of them. And you know, wouldn't it be nice to, uh, if we could just test them and see if they're true or not? So let me see. Uh, I got a couple of these. Um, one of them that I've always heard are that alligators live in the New York City sewers. How many of you have heard that one? Alligators in it? Yeah. Okay. I think we, and then, I guess you could uh, see if that's a rumor, if it's true or not, but I'm not man enough to go into the New York City sewers, so we're just going to leave that as it is. How about this? Area 51 has evidence of aliens. Let me see. How many of you have heard that rumor? Okay. How many of you believe it's true? Let me see. Right <gasps> yep, okay. So I've been to Roswell, and something happened, okay? I'm just going to say, something happened. I don't know, but anyway. All right, how about this one? Uh, I've, heard, I got, I've been about half and half on this one when I've talked about this with people this week. If you drink Coca-Cola and eat Pop Rocks at the same time, you'll explode. How many of you have heard that? You remember Pop Rocks? Have y'all heard that? Okay, I actually asked uh, some people to test it out and let me video. Do you know nobody would test it out and let me video them for Sunday morning? They were all too worried. In fact, I found out that Mythbusters actually tested that rumor to see if it was true, and they said that it wasn't true. You won't die, but you will build up a lot of gas, and that gas has to exit the system somewhere. So if you do try it, just stand, stand downwind, okay? Anyway, all right, so... In this series, what we're doing is we're looking at some rumors, okay? We're looking at some of the most popular uh, cultural beliefs, okay, that people attribute to God, that people attribute to the Bible. And we're kind of testing them to see if the rumor is true or if it's not. And the reason that this is important is, again, I kind of set this up last week, but in case you weren't here. Some of us have grown up all of our lives believing these statements are true, right? And the problem is, if we have the wrong beliefs about what the Bible says, um, it might actually hinder our relationship with God. Okay, so we want to find out what Scripture actually says about these topics. For instance, last week, we looked at the rumor that God just wants you happy, right? That his goal in life is just for you to be happy at no, uh, whatever the cost is. But having a theology of success or this idea of a prosperity gospel... It can lead us to a dangerous place because ultimately, sometimes we believe that whatever makes me happy must be right, that it must be okay. And and we know that that's not always true. And and while I believe that God delights in our joy, he doesn't want us us to be happy if it leads to a place of destruction or or sin or selfishness, right? And and so we kind of talk through what that meant last Sunday, and it's uploaded online. If you missed it, you can catch up on it. And today, today, we're probably going to dive into the most common rumor in this whole series. In fact, I guarantee you that everybody has heard this, and you may have even said this a time or two, okay? And this statement, this statement always comes around when life gets really tough. When we go through something difficult, a well-meaning Christian will come up and they'll offer this advice to us, and here it goes. Here's a statement we're going to look at, look at today. God never gives you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that one before? Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, sometimes in not knowing what to say, we've even said that before, right? Don't worry. 
It's going to be okay. After all, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You know, I've heard some strange things come out of people's mouths when they try to help people who are going through a rough time. And you know, while we're talking about that, I'm not even sure why we feel the need to speak, right? Why we even feel in some of those difficult situations, like why we have anything to add in those moments. Let, Let me fill you in on a little secret. Most of the time, people don't want to hear you talk so much as they just want you to be there for them. In fact, C.S. Lewis, um, one time he shared about when his wife passed away and how he got so tired of people coming up to him during his wife's funeral trying to say something when words just weren't enough. And he ends up writing and he just basically says, just stop talking, just stop talking and just be there for me. And chances are, you've been in one of those moments, right? When words just weren't enough. You know, those moments when you're just kind of at the end of your rope and you're not sure how to handle what's next or what's coming your way, or chances are you've known somebody that was struggling and who was facing an unbelievable situation. And some of you know that ha- that's happening right now in someone's life. So, so what do you say when someone's life is falling apart? Better yet, what do you not say? Let, let me tell you what not to say. Okay, don't say, don't worry, this wouldn't happen if God didn't think you could handle it. Okay, that's a, that's a dangerous piece of wisdom that's disguised as truth. And you know what, let's just start here. Let's just, uh, the, the Bible doesn't say this. God, God doesn't say this. In fact, the, actually, the, the Bible proves that this rumor is wrong, right? If you look at any biblical character, any one of them, you're going to find that each one of them faced something that was too much. Okay, too much for them to have. It was just too overwhelming. I mean, just pick a person in the Bible. Pick any one of them. And then try to put yourself in their shoes, right? Most of the time, the moment, the problem, the heartache, whatever it was, was too much to handle. Let me go through a couple of examples. Abraham and Sarah could not have children. In a time when everything was about children, right? Could not have children. It wasn't possible. It's too much. Joseph was thrown into the bottom of a well. He was sold as a slave and then lived as a prisoner. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You can't get out of that situation on your own, right? And even Jesus, last week, I, I, I told you about that story of Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's so overwhelmed about what's coming, about what's next, what's ahead of him, that he's sweating drops of blood. And he even asks God the Father to take it away from him, right? Even Jesus questioned and we see this, this moment where, where we don't really understand the humanity and, and God himself being one in Jesus because he begins to question what's ahead of him, right? And so if these moments are too much, right? If, if the Bible shows over and over and over again that people get in over their heads, that, that things just get pretty hairy for everybody, even for Jesus, where, where do we get this notion then, this teaching that God never gives us more than we can handle. You, you know what I think? I think a lot of it comes from us misquoting a popular piece of scripture in 1 Corinthians. Let me show you this piece of scripture here. 
It says this, when it talks about temptation, it says God is faithful. He will not, you allow, he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can take. Okay, so this verse is all about temptation not being more than we can handle. Okay, but when you're tempted, Scripture goes on, this verse, if you continue reading in this chapter, it says that God will always provide a way out for you. But it never says that you'll be in situations that are too big. These situations that seem too much. So, again, like, we want to believe the best. Like, we want to believe that we can make it through anything in life, right? So why is this such a dangerous thing to believe that God doesn't give us more than we can handle? Here's why it's dangerous for us to believe this. It's because, in essence, I start to believe that I have what it takes to handle the problem. And trust me, sometimes I don't have what it takes to handle the problem. And you know this. You've been in those situations, and you've seen those situations. Those struggles, man, that we face in life, they never come easy. They're always difficult, They never ask our permission. There's never a good time in life for something just to wreck us, right? And the people in the Bible, over and over and over again, they knew this. And what they found was that these moments that were too big for them weren't too big for an all-powerful God. And what it did What it caused them, it caused them to have to lean into and trust God more than ever. Because they had no other choice. King David. King David's a good example. You know, all the stress of running a kingdom. Losing a child. Having his son turn against him. Any one of those things would would wreck a normal person, right? And David writes this. He says, where am I going to find my help? Where am I going to look? Who's going to help me with everything going on in life? In this difficult situation that I'm in, I'm looking and I need help. Where am I going to find it? Because it's too much for me. I need help. It comes from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. In this moment, what David does is he says something true about God instead of something false about himself. Another great example of this is the Apostle Paul. In his second letter to the church in Corinth, he, he lists everything that he's faced. He, he, he says that he's been whipped five different times for his faith. He's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, and, and he's been robbed. And, and you know what he says about all of that? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says this. If I have to brag about anything, I'm going to brag about how weak I am. In other words, what Paul is saying is that these moments are too much. Like, I I am too weak to handle this. He says, if there's anything to brag about in in all of this, I'm going to brag about my weakness. Paul's not showing us that he can make it through life on his own. He's not showing just how powerful he is. No, no, no. What he's doing is he's showing us how powerful God is. And in that same letter to these people at the church of Corinth, He tells him, he says, this is what God told me. He says, God God spoke to him and he says, my power is strongest when you're weak. God says, I know you're weak. I know this is tough, but my power, man, it comes in even stronger. The more you get overwhelmed. And so what Paul says, he says, so if Christ keeps giving me his power, then I will gladly brag about how weak I actually am. 
I love this. I love these examples. You know, we got to take it from these biblical heroes of faith. What, what they would tell us is that sometimes, you know, we just can't white-knuckle our way through it. You know, there are moments that we can't just buck up and take it like a man, right? There are moments in life that are too much. And what we got to learn to do is that we got to depend on his power. We got to learn to, to trust more in God. And, and scripture says that when we do, man, that's where we get power. That's where we get more of his presence. I heard a pastor a while back um, give a testimony of losing a child at birth and how painful that was. And how well-meaning people came up and tried to say things that were just not enough. And he remembered somebody saying, don't worry, God wouldn't allow this if he didn't think that you could handle it. There are so many things wrong with that statement in that moment. The, the, the fact of someone actually saying that maybe God caused the death, I mean, I, there's no way to believe that. that. The feeling that God chose you for that because he feels that you can handle it, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't serve a God that causes sin and death. No, 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 we, we serve a God that redeems and, and creates life. So in that moment when he was just struggling and didn't know where to turn or, or what to turn to, he turned to the 23rd Psalm. And he found the comfort that he needed. I want to share this with you. I want to read through the 23rd Psalm and learn a little bit about the goodness of our God and his provision in those difficult moments. Let's look at this together. Verse 1. The psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want... And you know this, you know how this starts off, that the psalmist is basically like, this is a great moment in life. And I can't help but think, man, this is the moment maybe that he gave his heart to God. He wants to know God more. You know that mountaintop experience where God is so good and I'm all in and I'm feeling the very presence of God. And so he keeps going in verse two and three. He says, God makes me lie down in the green pastures. That, that good shepherd, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love this. And at the beginning of it, he says, you know, that, that time with the shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes, sometimes we're forced to lie down a little bit because life gets too much. It gets too difficult. So when it comes to that time to rest, where does he go? He goes to the green pastures. He goes to the still waters. And I've heard pastors uh, try to explain what the green pastures and the still waters are. And I've heard people say that the green pastures are the church. You know, there's moments of just being in uh, the church congregation and finding peace surrounded by my church family, and I like that. The still water could refer to the presence uh, of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the cleansing and the refreshment that comes from the presence of God. Uh, one time, even in the book of John, Jesus refers to himself as a drink of water, as the water. In fact, I think, do I have that verse? Yes. He says, Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from that person's heart. I love that. Jesus says, listen, when you're thirsty in life, and we all have those moments, and we all get there where we just are thirsty for more, Jesus is like, drink me in. 
Because what happens is that we're refreshed, right? And living water will begin to flow. And as good as all that sounds, the next part of the psalm shows us that we're going to need God's help as much as possible. Because as much as we enjoy that first verse, that mountaintop experience, as much as we enjoy being in the green pastures and the, the running waters, we can't stay there forever. So verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, when I'm reading that, I'm wondering, why can't we stay in the green pastures? I don't know about you, but there's no better place for me than to sit by water. I just love sitting by water, whether that's at the beach or at the lake or river. I love just sitting by a river and just reading or just having that moment. I love the way it sounds. Why can't I just stay in those moments? Why can't life just be easy all the time? I think it's because we grow more when we're in the valley. You know, we learn more, we, we develop more, we mature more. I, I think that God uses those moments to, to really form us and to really mold us. And when it comes to those valleys, uh, let's look at this, this verse again. Now, let me walk through just a couple of things with you, okay? I want you to notice that when we go through the valley, we're walking through the valley, We're not staying there, we're moving through it. And another thing that I noticed about this is it's the shadow of death, okay? It's not really death, okay? That valley that you're going through, that somebody's going through at this moment, right? It may not actually lead to the death of a job or a relationship or a dream or whatever. Sometimes it's just the shadow of it. It's the illusion of it. And that speaks to me because I tend to exaggerate the problems that happen in life. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm going through something difficult, I walk through that valley like Sanford and Sons, hold my heart going, this is it. You know, I'm over, I'm out of it, right? God's going to take me on this one, I know it. I'm just not going to survive it. When it's really, it may not be. So, so here's what this teaching, here's what this verse teaches me. Even though we're walking through that valley and we don't think that we're going to get out, we will. We're going through it. We're not going to be there forever. And even when we're moving through it, right, even though it seems like everything's falling apart and death is the only answer for whatever problem is that's in front of us, sometimes it's just the shadow of death. God is with me. And God is faithful. So here's the problem. When we read about this valley... We don't want anything to do with it. I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't like to go through the valleys in life. What I want to do is I want to jump over the valley. Right? What, what, I, what I would prefer is just to jump from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. Maybe build a bridge over those valleys so that I don't have to go through them. But when we try to jump over the valleys, what happens is that we become shallow because of it. We miss out on the growth that happens. And the Apostle Paul would tell us that those hard moments that he faced in life, man, that's that's where where he grew. That's where his faith developed, right? And the truth is, Jesus walks with us through those valleys. God is with us every step of the way. Jesus lives in those moments. In fact, in another verse, it says that he is close to the brokenhearted, right? He is with us every step of the way. 
And it's in those valleys that we grow, we learn to trust. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, in his book, he says, you know what, when you go through those valleys, when you go through those difficult times, man, you ought to just, it, you ought to just be joyful about it. And that doesn't make sense at all. Like, why would you say that? But James is like, man, when your faith is tested, it grows. And he goes on to say, man, that's where we get more endurance. That's where our faith is perfected. And who doesn't want to have a life that's more complete and perfect in the image of Christ, right? And that's where we develop those things. And then Peter, Peter, another time in his letter, he actually says that we should also rejoice when we face those valleys, because it's a chance for us to show that our faith is genuine. It's a chance for us to become even more. He, he says that we become rooted in God. It's in those moments that we really learn what it means to praise God. When we're in it, when we're going through it, when we come out of it. So Jesus is with us in the valley. And not only is he with us, man, but he brings his rod and his staff with him. Two things that every shepherd had. The, the rod is for authority. The, the rod is used to beat off anything that would try to hinder the sheep. You know, wolves, bears, whatever. And then the staff is for guidance. And this is where it's kind of confusing again because we would think, you know, when it comes to guidance with the staff, we, we want Jesus just to guide us, right? Or just to, with that crook of the staff, just to lift us out of the valley and place us on the higher ground, right? But that's, that's not always how it works. That staff that the shepherd brings is used to guide us through. That's where we learn more about God and about what he wants for us. So let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 5 because this is kind of interesting. He says, God prepares, thou the shepherd prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Now, this is so strange when you read this to think about it. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies? Like, we, we read this, and I'm like, I just came out of a valley. Like, I don't want to go through another valley and have to sit and entertain my enemies. Like, why in the world would Jesus do this? And maybe it's because, man, when you come out of that valley... Maybe you've grown so much. Maybe you're so mature. Maybe you know Jesus in such an intimate way that you no longer think of having enemies. Right? It maybe, maybe those hard times, man, it, it teaches you something. You start to see things differently. You notice the world in, in a better way. You even start to see those people that you would say are your enemies or people that Jesus died for, right? Everyone that you meet is worthy of God's love. So you know what? Jesus just brought me out of that valley and I'm better because of it. So give me that banquet, no matter who's there, even in the presence of my enemies. And when our attitudes change and we grow closer and we're more mature in our relationship with God, the psalmist says, man, my cup just overflows. And, and I become more capable of doing whatever it is God wants me to do. So the psalmist closes it out and he says one more. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Surely his goodness and mercy will always be with me. Even on the days I wake up and I feel like I'm not good enough. Isn't it great to know that you have Jesus? Like, isn't it great to know that his goodness and his mercy are with you? So we get up and we face that day, not on our power, but on his power. On the goodness and mercy that go with us. And he promises to stay with us all the way to the end, to that last mountaintop experience where we're in the house of the Lord forever. So you know what? The psalmist just recognizes. He's like, you know what? There's going to be difficulties in life. But you'll make it. You'll make it. Not, Not because you're good enough. But because he is good enough. Because his goodness and his mercy will follow after you each and every day, no matter what comes your way. And again, you know what? There are great examples of this in Scripture, of God's goodness and mercy going with his people, no matter what they face. Some of y'all may remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that story? They would not bow down to the king. And they knew that it would be their death if they didn't. And yet they stayed faithful to God, knowing goodness and mercy would be with them. And so the king threw them in the fiery furnace. And when he did, he threw those three in. One of the guys, they looked into the fiery furnace and he looked back at the king and he said, how many guys did we put in the furnace? And he said, three. And he goes, why do I see four? And he looked in there and he's counting them. One, two, three, four. There's a fourth guy in there. Who is that? And it was Jesus with them in that moment. Goodness and mercy followed them that day. But you know what? Even when I teach this, even when I say this, man, it it just, it strikes some of us as odd and it raises some questions at times because you know what? Sometimes in life, we don't always leave the furnace untouched. Let's be honest. And let's be real. There, There are difficulties sometimes in life that don't get resolved. And sometimes we do have to live with a tragedy. Where is God? Like, is he still with us? Of course he is. I'll take you to another story. In Acts, we read of a story of a guy named Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr, and he took a stand for Jesus. And he was stoned for it. And while he's being killed, he looked up. And he sees Jesus above him. Jesus was with him in that moment. And goodness and mercy pursued him even on the day that he died. You know, no matter what happens in life, no matter how difficult things get, the good shepherd promises to be with us and to lead us forever all the way to the house of God. It's almost like the writer of the 23rd Psalm reminds us that the way to heaven is through those valleys, right? It's not from jumping mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop and trying to stay happy all all the time. No, no, no. What it is, it's, it's us walking with Jesus through those valleys because it's in those moments, those moments that will crush the old you and will destroy our pride And we'll be remade and recreated more into the image and the likeness of Christ. And that's what we're all after. So if you're facing a tough moment, if you're in a valley right now, 
Let me give you two important things to remember just real quick. What do we need to remember when things are too difficult for us? Number one, I just got two thoughts to leave you with. Why are those moments too much? Is because one, we learn to rely on his presence. Right? God will use those moments, those valleys, those difficult times to draw us closer to himself. Because you know what? We don't really need God. <laughs> or we don't think we need God when life is going well, right? It's, in fact, it's pretty easy to forget about God when everything's going well, right? That when, when things are, you know, just when we're moving right along, you know, it's easy just to pray to God and be like, God, you keep doing your thing. I'll keep doing my thing. We're, we're all good, right? But man, when we hit a roadblock, when things start to get hairy, when we're back into a corner, that's when we start remembering there's a God. That's when we start remembering, I might need to pray and ask for help. I always, I always think about it in terms of turbulence. Um, those times that you're riding on a plane. I remember one time riding on a plane, and it was a smooth flight. And I can't remember where we were going, but it was a long flight. And we hit a little turbulence, not too bad. Everybody was okay. And then we hit something. I don't know what we hit. It was almost like there was a rock in the road in the sky that we just bumped over. In fact, it, it bumped the airplane up and then down, and it made you lift out of your seat. <laughs> and in that moment, everybody on that plane believed in God. <laughs> and I heard two rows up. I heard a lady say, help me, Jesus. <laughs> And everybody started to pray. That's when we look to him, right? Sometimes we experience things that are just too big for us. And, and when we do, it causes us to want to run to his presence. You know, a good story of this is Jonah. Y'all remember Jonah? I said, you know, in the belly of a well, right? Here's what he says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. Jonah says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. This is a guy that runs from God, that doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, right? But when he hits that roadblock, when things get too big, what does he do? He looks to God. He runs back to God, right? He says, in my distress, I called out to the Lord. Not in my success, I called out to the Lord. And that's what we do. It's really amazing sometimes how much more we crave God when things get to be too much. That's when we learn to rely more on his presence. The second thing that I would bring up is that it teaches us to depend more on his power. I remember growing up in uh, Leslie, Georgia. How many of y'all know where Leslie is? Let me see. Raise your hands. Anyway, nobody. That's because it is so small, okay? Literally, if you blink, you go right through it. You'll miss it. Um, very small little town. My dad was a pastor at this uh, little church, and I remember we had pecan trees all over the place. And I remember picking up pecans and then taking them down to the store to sell them. And I remember one time jumping up on one of those little pecan trees and hanging on the limb and just trying to bounce on that limb to try to shake as many pecans down as I could. And then I remember a couple of days later, my dad drove this heavy machinery in, and I don't even know what it's called, or I've never seen one since, but he drove it in, and it had these, it was like this big tractor that had these clamps on it, and he went over to this big old tree, and he clamped down on it, and that thing shook that tree, and it rained pecans, and when it's raining pecans, you better get out of the way. <laughs> and sometimes I think when those difficult times come in our life, 
we want to try to man up and take it on our own. And it's almost like we're 10 years old hanging off a tree limb thinking we're accomplishing something when God has the power to come in and shake that tree so hard the roots vibrate. That's what we have that's made available to us. Why would we ever want to rely just on ourselves? We were created to need Him. We were created to be desperate for Him. And when you realize that you don't always have the power to handle everything, that's when we experience more of His overwhelming power. So as I close, I just want to remind you that there are going to be moments that are going to seem too much. There are things that happen in life that can just be overwhelming. If you're going to be a foster parent, it's going to be more than you can handle at times. If you're going to raise teenagers, it's going to be more than, can I get an amen? It's going to be more than you can handle. If you're going to be in ministry, there are moments that are hard to handle. If you're going to be married, there will be moments that you'll have to walk through some valleys. And the good news is this. You weren't created to handle it all on your own. So maybe you walked in here today or maybe you're watching online today and you're like, why in the world am I going through this right now? Why am I in over my head? Why are we allowed or why are these situations too much for us? And if you're in that moment right now, let me just say, man, this may be a good chance for God to prove just how real and how close he really is. And even though we can't skip those valleys, we have the promise that he will lead us through. And when he does, he'll give you his supernatural power because his power, his power, Paul would remind us, is made perfect in our weakness. Not in our strength, but in our weakness. Let's pray together. God, just thank you so much. God, we come to you today um, sometimes just overwhelmed. Especially since the remembrance of September 11th was yesterday. God, we remember, God, how those moments, how difficult those moments can be. And how overwhelming they can feel. So God, we come to you today realizing that this world is fallen, and it is broken. And sometimes, God, we're going to face those things that are just too much. They're going to feel like they're too much, God. And it could be that they are too much. God, help us just to be reminded that it's in these breaking points, God, that you want to step in, and that you want to prove to us just how great you really are. God, I pray for every person who walked in here today or or watching online, they just feel like they're in over their head. God, let them feel the presence of a loving Savior. God, for all of those who are burdened to the point of just being in despair, God, let them receive the power that comes from a risen Savior. And if anybody doesn't know your power, God, that hasn't accepted you, and they're walking through that valley alone, God, I pray that they would give their lives to you now so they could experience your presence. If that's you and you're here today or you're watching online, just do this with me. Just pray and say, God, I need you.
Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me for trying to do everything on my own for being selfish for all my sin. And that you would come into my heart, that you would come into my life. That you would be the good shepherd for me. And as much as I know how, I'll give my life to you. Jesus, I thank you for anyone who prayed that today. God, we're reminded there's no one like you. There was no one, no thing more important to turn to than the king of all kings. So God, we come to you, we place our lives in your hands. Please, please fill us with your power and your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.